Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. This week on The Pinball Show, I'm recording on location from Cincinnati as Dennis and I discuss the Pincinnati power outage, Spooky Pinball announcing their next game, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You Pinball? We also talk about licensing, Bond's 60th anniversary game details, Stern Pinball updates, a new Multimorphic P3 game launch, Chicago Gaming Company updates, and rumored next remake. Honing my inner Spooky Pinball for pinball market trends, understanding basic mathematics, Olive Garden, Deal of the Creech, and much more. It's 118, y'all. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Hey, everybody, what's going on? It's the Pinball Show. This is episode 118. I'm Zach Mini alongside... Dennis Creasel. Dennis, how's it going? It's going well from far, far, far away. We're doing oh. it. We're doing it remote. We're doing yeah, that's right. We're I mean, we're we're always remote from each other, but you mm-hmm. have you have constructed some sort of contraption, an apparatus, perhaps an abomination, in an attempt to properly record and be able to hear me at the same time. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. Yeah. The situation I'm in is in a hotel room, probably Probably should have already checked out. Hopefully they don't they don't uh, charge me for an additional day here. But I, I've got wires and gizmos. So, listener, if my vocals are are shite, that's why. I've got uh, a lapel set up on uh, sweet Ryan White from CGC. Let me borrow his laptop. I've got talking. I'm speaking to you through a telephone through Skype. It's a whole thing. But we had to record. There's some big news this week. There turned out to be huge news. And unfortunately, I am so busy with work on Monday, I wouldn't be able to put something together with you tomorrow. Yeah. So here we are having to record our, our usual time. Hey, we got to do it. The people want it. Uh, this weekend, uh, you're right. I am at uh, the Cincinnati show termed Pincinnati. This is their fourth mm. year. They continue to get larger and larger every single year. And this weekend, numerous people, I want to give a shout out to numerous people that had come up and say they're huge fans of the pinball show. Uh, a lot of them, big, big Creasel fans there. They like they like his honesty. And I, I came back and I'm like, does that mean I'm not honest? Like maybe I'm oversensitive to that. Like, yeah, I like these shoots your, straight. You B-plussed your way out of that probably. Uh, maybe, maybe. But I get that when I go to shows. I go to shows and people come up to me and tell me how much they love our work, but it's always complimenting either you or Greg Bone. So I'm like, what am I, chopped liver here? Hmm. I'm the one here. Yeah, they they should give you some compliments. But, yeah, but how uh, often you know, do people g- compliment g- 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 me to honest, you? I don't know, but but honestly, <laughs> see, but, but getting complimented for honesty is a is a bit of a weird thing because it's not difficult. So, I mean, the see, <laughs> imagine being a liar and having to keep all your lies straight. It would be very challenging. I think ain't nobody got time for that. No, that would, no time. That would suck. Uh, speaking of no time, this show on Saturday, uh, arguably the busiest day of any convention, had no power. Whoa! Guess it. Guess that's why they didn't call it Power Sanati. <laughs> it was. A, it was a. It was a total first for me and and many attendees here that. Uh, the, the, I mean, what you've never experienced a power outage? Not You're from sh- the Midwest. Come oh on. well, that's true, but not at a show. <laughs> 
I've never been to a mm. show where the power goes out and it was down for, uh, let's see, show started at 10. It went out at 930. I was in the shower and the lights went off. It was pitch dark. I was in the shower. And I, the first thought I had to myself is, Mama always said, if I keep playing with it, I'll go blind. And I, I mm. thought, this is it. This is it. This is how it all ends here in the shitty-ass Holiday Inn hotel, touching myself in the shower. I thought I was going blind, Dennis, but no. Uh, and it stayed off until 3, until 4 o'clock. So there was oh, no wow. show. Wow. There was no show. They had to delay the show until there was power. And once it turned back on, it was supposed to go till midnight. There was Some people were upset, you know, I need to get my money back, rightfully so. Uh, poor Chuck Wirt, who's one of the organizers of the show, he was, I, I spoke with him shortly during this. He was a, just a neurotic mess, of course. And uh, he was just bummed out. He's like, Zach, I don't, like, I just don't want people to be pissed off at us. I don't, you know, and I'm like, the whole town is out of power. Like, this is not a, a Cincinnati thing. I think people are going to understand you have no control over a transformer exploding a couple miles down the road. So, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, t- it's, it's interesting. I actually did have this happen at a conference I organized. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Much smaller group than, than Pincinnati would be, but yeah, work, a work conference. This was a couple of years ago. So yeah, it was in the summer. It was hot and same sort of scenario, a transformer blew mm-hmm. and we lost power to the convention hall that we were hosting in. And so I have presenters going this in our instance, it was a very well windowed uh, location. So there was still plenty of natural light, but it's the summer. Sure. So it's already like 90 plus outside. And that's my big concern is I've got people here. I can, the show can kind of go on. Like I can keep having the presenters try and go, even though we don't have any power, but it's like, what am I going to do about the comfort level? What's going to happen? You know, yeah. as this room starts to heat Swampy. up, and and then it turned out actually, also I, you know, I I overassumed uh, in terms of my next presenter. Uh, we had just had a set start, and they were going to run for about an hour to an, and the next show was going. Our next presentation was going to be uh, an hour and a half away, basically. Mm. And, but theirs was uh, was a YouTube based one. So I didn't realize this, like they're there in person, but they were, they were doing a presentation on, well, yeah, I'm sure the listeners love this, but, uh, but kind of interesting, kind of tied to pinball in some way uh, on risk communication. So they were going to go through a bunch of exam, real life examples of people that had like a PR disaster and did a good job. And people (laughs) that had a PR disaster and did a really bad job. It is relevant to pinball. Yeah. And they, uh, they actually did get the transformer fixed in time for that. And after she did did her presentation she came up to me and she said yeah i was really nervous because my whole thing is based off of youtube and i you know just being me said well you know we weren't going to delay it i just assumed you were going to act these youtube pieces out for us mm-hmm. That's- you know like theater and <laughs> we would just move on because you have them memorized right you know your presentation well i can i i'm happy that here at Cincinnati it is the winter and it was 20 degrees out instead of 90 because i a lot of pinball people in a 90-degree box is not uh, not mm. a place I particularly want to be. Uh, not too many stinkies this this year. A couple stinkers. Uh, but overall, been a big turnout. Uh, and at 20 degrees, everybody stayed fresh. That was good. But uh, overall, it's been fun. But what saved that show and what saved the power outage, number one, it's been kick-ass the whole time. Uh, number two, they ended up going... It was supposed to close at midnight. I think people were partying until like two or three in the morning. They just left it open. Uh, and this is a kind of a close knit 
localist show. So everybody kind of knows everybody. It's it's very, very pinball. It's only pinball. There's no mm. big seminars. It is just a big pinball hall, and it is a big uh, foyer or a big entrance into the hotel that hosts the, the tournament. So the stream is wonderful. Go to SDTM Pinball on Twitch. Chuck Ward did a phenomenal job, and the commentators are second to none in this area. I don't know why, but they are phenomenal. Those, those, they could be national uh, commentators in pinball. They're really, really good. So shout uh, out well, to I'm, them as I'm well. I'm glad they recovered from it. You yeah. know, it makes it does, it does really make me wonder what would have happened at like a different show. Do you think like if the power had gone out <laughs> at Expo, if the entire vendor booths would have been stolen? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I would bitch them because they're like, under, damn it, I paid $300 for this electricity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh. Oh, man. So oh, well. it, it was a lot of, it's been a lot of fun. We're getting ready to break down our booth. We sold a lot of machines. Uh, and what also what saved the show number three was, and we'll talk about it here in a minute after Craig Bobby's segment, but Spooky Pimble came in, played the superhero. And there was speculation that they were going to actually announce at the small but fastly growing Cincinnati show, which blew my mind. Uh, and I talked to the guys, and they were like, "A game kind of gave me the, yeah, we're about to we're about to drop something here." And it was pitch dark, but they came in, uh, and we'll talk more about it after the segment. But huge news out of Cincinnati this weekend that's going to make everybody forget about any power outage. Shocking. Hello and welcome back to the Pinball Show's Top Stories. I'm Craig Bobby. Now before we get into our exciting lead story for this week's episode, I'd like to start by telling the tale of a youngish but handsome reporter from Australia that happened to be a maxillofacial surgeon by day and an intrepid news reporter for the Pinball Show by night who is focusing his crazy reporting talents on the wacky world of spooky pinball as well as the Australian-based boutique manufacturer Haggis Pinball. Yes, the pinball show's very own Dr. John was casually walking the floor at last year's Texas Pinball Festival when he innocently walked by the booth of Spooky Pinball one morning before the show had opened, only to notice that on the table in the spooky booth was a beach towel in the theme of, you guessed it, Scooby-Doo! Say what? Hmm, that's interesting. Could they be cheeky enough to be giving the attendees present at the Texas Pinball Festival in 2021 an Easter egg and clue for the next title once they were finished their production run of Halloween and Ultraman? Dr. John, who was never one to back away from a good question, circled back to the spooky booth later that day to chat with spooky owner Charlie Emery and after some brief pinball banter like, hey, how about those bricking ramps in Halloween, he casually meandered the conversation in the direction of the Scooby-Doo beach towel that he had spied in the booth earlier that day and might spooky be hiding their next theme in plain sight? Charlie, the ever-sly salesman with the gift for the gab, tried, unsuccessfully I might add, to direct John's attention away from said Scooby-Doo beach towel by saying, <laughs> just crazy. Claiming at the time that the beach towel had been brought to the spooky booth for many years, 
mainly to be used as a comfort blanket for their tiny dog, Sally. Well, based on the official announcement from Spooky Pinball this past weekend at this year's Cincinnati Pinball Festival in beautiful downtown Cincinnati, Ohio, it would now seem that in fact Spooky did have the license from Hanna-Barbera all along to produce the world's first Scooby-Doo Pinball Machine. <laughs> so a big hats off to our retired Spooky and Haggis reporter, Dr. John, who was hot on the trail of Spooky's next title last spring at TPF. We knew you had it right all along, Dr. John. We knew you had it right. Now, not all that much is known about the new upcoming Scooby game, which like I mentioned is licensed and owned by Hanna-Barbera and debuted to kids across America on CBS television way back on September the 13th, 1969. What is known is that there will be some custom art by Matt Frank and Jeffrey Zorno, with custom callouts by a number of fairly well-known actors, including Frank Welker, who has voiced Scooby-Doo in the past, Matthew Lillard, who has voiced Shaggy since 2010 and has played him in two live-action movies, Kate Micucci as Velma, and Gray Griffin as Daphne. So stay tuned as I'm sure Spooky will reveal production and sales information soon as their builds for the very financially successful Halloween machine begin to wind down. And with the birth of one machine in the pinball world, we have news of the end of another. Yes, it's officially last call time over at Stern Pinball for all three of their current home edition pins. Star Wars, Star Wars comic art, and Jurassic Park as Stern Pinball officially says goodbye to these three and only current home edition pins. This not-so-shocking announcement, first speculated on TPS by Zach and Dennis on our last episode, can only leave one to draw the conclusion that Stern is in fact abandoning ship on their more affordable, in quotes, pinball line which has never really hit the volume highs to make it worthwhile to design and manufacture, and certainly never satisfied the growing masses of pinball enthusiasts who only ever wanted the real thing. Not a half-baked version of the game at three quarters of the price. Yes, not even Jack Danger himself with his popular Twitch pinball stream and who recently joined Stern's ranks as their newest pinball designer, whose first design effort of the Jurassic Park home pin could breathe life back into the slowly sinking ship of the Stern pinball home pin concept. And isn't it ironic that the pure popularity that Stern has brought into the pinball hobby seemingly bringing it back from a Jurassic level extinction and instead raising pinball's popularity to dizzying heights in the last decade is also the same popularity that is driving the dagger deep into the heart of this now dying home pin product line. Goodbye Stern home pins! We hardly knew ye, but your sacrifice will not be forgotten. Now, can Stern please get back to innovating, designing, and manufacturing real pinball machines, says the literally thousands of customers that are still waiting for the Godzilla pinball machines. Now, speaking of getting back to it, there's been a lot of speculation recently about what Stern Pinball will finally unveil at its much-delayed special edition Keith Elwin designed single-level James Bond 60th anniversary edition pinball machine, but we now have word courtesy of Kyle and Emoto from Markle Specialties with their recently streamed interview of Stern's Chief Creative Officer George Gomez, who stated that the super high-end game will probably be revealed in mid-December. Also of note, George Gomez stated 
stated that Stern still has a lot of back orders, so much so that the company will probably not go back to three Cornerstone games per year until it works through this backlog. During the interview, Jason Knapp from Knapp Arcade asked George Gomez about the potential for a vault edition of a Stern game coming out anytime soon. Gomez said that the vaults are still a thing that Stern is open to doing and knows that many pinball fans are clamoring for a Tron or maybe a Lord of the Rings pinball vault. Come on, George, give it to us! But in reality, from a hardware perspective, redoing a White Star game like Lord of the Rings would be very difficult, plus Stern currently has product plans spanning years into the future. Today, they're already talking about games that the company is going to roll out in 2025. Could this be another red herring designed to take another intrepid reporter off the case that is hot on the trail of the truth? Or is this the hard and honest reality that pinball fans shouldn't be holding their breath anytime soon for a Tron or Lord of the Rings vault from Stern Pinball? Well, we shall have to wait and see. Well, another hectic and busy week, Zach and Dennis, in the pinball world. For the Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. All right, Dennis, the moment has come for Spooky Pinball. They are building Halloweens. They're building the rest of the Ultramans. They've announced TNA 2.0 that they're building. Did you think that we would hear an announcement for their next officially licensed game yet? No, I no, I, I didn't. I thought it would just be a little bit later, like at the start of 2023. I figured it was close. Like t- the, the TNA run was really the only thing. I thought they would wait closer to the end of that. Granted, I don't know how long it will take them to, to build all those out because they didn't sell out of the, the full allotment that they sure, planned. Yeah, so yeah. Well, but I no, just, I didn't think I didn't think they do it at, a, at Pinsonati. Well, yeah, I didn't think that. And I didn't think this was the timing wise. I thought. No, you still give yourself about three months to to build the rest of the things because Spooky does a pretty good job. If my if my memory serves correct, that when they do announce, it's not much. It's, there's not much time that passes before they do start rolling out these games. Now, we know that for the Halloween and the Ultraman, they did up the uh, the number of units they were going to build, but they still hit that 18-month deadline uh, to produce all of them, if not a little bit less, similar to their previously released game. Uh, so I, w- I was quite I was quite surprised because if they're announcing their next title now, which is Scooby-Doo, and we'll go into detail here in a bit. Yoinks! But if they're uh, uh, jinkies, but if they're announcing that now, I bet they're going to start producing this thing fairly quickly. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I thought we'd see a March announcement maybe, but uh, good on them. It means that things are going well over there, and I know they are cranking out machines. Uh, but yes, they did announce, Spooky Pinball did come to Pensanati to announce the title and some of the details of their next major release in a pinball machine, which is going to be Hanna-Barbera's Scooby-Doo Pinball. Now, I, I've got to contain myself a bit here, Dennis. Well, that's not really going to happen, but okay. Any, I just, I get in trouble for liking new things and it does get tiresome. I I get it. Your giddiness, your childlike innocence when it comes to theme and theme alone. Mm. I agree about the importance of theme, Mm. but does it blind you? It, and it, it could, but I think it's going to be blinding thousands of people because to me, Scooby-Doo, if done correctly, Scooby-Doo is Maybe the perfect pinball license. It just works for pinball. It's creepy, it's kooky, mysterious, and spooky. It's all together. That's the Adams family. 
Scooby-Doo works for pinball and Scooby-Doo is a huge, huge license. They could have funked it up. They could have did a pup named Scooby-Doo. They could have done the new Cartoon Network Scooby-Doo. They didn't. They are doing OG original mysteries, original uh, concept artwork. They're doing original Scooby-Doo at its best. It's most iconic. Is there anything more nostalgic? Uh, probably, but... This dates back to the 70s, and this IP is still going strong today. You know I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, it's 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 there with, like, Flintstones and, and Jetsons and stuff. I'm hey, gonna, Jetsons, that's another game they worked on. You know what? I'm going to give it the hedge over both of those. Uh, I would put it ahead of Jetsons. I don't think I would put it ahead of Flintstones, but there is already really? a Flintstones pin, pinball machine. Yeah, I think, I think Flintstones was more iconic to more Flintstones people. has come and gone. Yeah, but we're only talking about the original Scoot, like, we're... Not talk about whatever the new Scooby stuff. Like I don't know if there's new Flintstones or not. Well, I, but I any- think because of the strength of the IP, I think that's why Scooby Doo would be bigger. I put Scooby Doo up there with four pinball, especially. I put it up there in in the A plus tier, the Star Wars, the Jurassic Park, Scooby Doo. If if you think about, uh, it's up there for me. It is the Saturday morning cartoon. Like it, it's up there with Disney Animation, some of their I- biggest hit hmm. movies. I don't want to. I don't want to be dismissive because I do. I do agree with you that it is a. It's a very large license. But unlike, you know, like, I don't know how many people like decorate an entire room in their house full of Scooby Doo stuff like they do with Star Wars and Jurassic Park. Great Maybe bone. I hung out with too many stoners in college because it's not just kids that love Scooby Doo. It's it's adults. Uh, no, psychedelic I, I, I don't people. think. I don't think it was a. I think it might be their best licensed pick. It's tough because. There is a certain cultural zeitgeist relevance to Rick and Morty, which I think really, really, really worked for Spooky. That is, I don't think, true anymore for Scooby-Doo, but Scooby-Doo's got a lot stronger nostalgia for obvious reasons Mm -hmm. because there is no nostalgia for Rick and Morty. It's too new. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on that grounds, the nostalgia grounds, I think it's probably, I would say it's their best license ever. I, I think you may be right. Uh, but I don't put it up there with the Star Wars. Like, but no, there's like nothing that's like Star Wars. Star Wars is so different that's than fair. everything else. Than everything else, it's I'm just thinking any just any animation license. It's it's up uh, where no, with Simpsons. It, it's I mean, gosh, I, I Scooby Doo again. It, it gets it depends on like what generation and, and group. Everyone yeah, knows Scooby Doo is the thing. I mean, depending on who you are, uh, you know, I. I, I would still, even if you weren't a huge Scooby-Doo fan, I mean, it's going to be right there in the upper echelons of people remembering the G.I. Joe cartoon mm-hmm. and the Transformers cartoon and the Smurfs. I mean, it's Ninja just like... Ninja Turtles? Yeah, Ninja it's Turtles. It's there. Um, yeah, so it's a dynamite license. It makes me question why some other manufacturers stumble so, so horribly with licensing. And then here's little old... Spooky Pinball, and I say that because I know that they're a major manufacturer. We can't give them the card of boutique company anymore, but they're, they're still a small company. And here they I mean, go that, that, and secure the rights to Hanna-Barbera, not just Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo, the original, and then we'll talk about some of the assets that they, they get, and it's original well, Scooby-Doo. Let's pause a bit and explore that, if you don't mind. Where, where do you think they are on I mean, because they're really public on their productions. Obviously, they're smaller than Stern mm-hmm. and Jersey Jack, and I would say Chicago Gaming. But are they fourth? Like, they put out more games than American Pinball, don't they? I would think so. Yes. Yeah, so they're I not. Really you know, think so. So I mean, I know the scale goes way down once we move past Stern Pinball, but Spooky is. I mean, I know they like to say you know we put the boo in boutique, but they in the world of pinball, they're pretty big at this point. Mm-hmm. 
they are pretty big. And when it comes to licensing, they're number two, in my opinion. I, I would I would agree. I would agree. I mean, we'll have to see if the rumors are true about Chicago gaming moving beyond doing remakes, but I kind of treat that differently. Uh, And then uh, Jersey Jack lately, I just don't know what's going on with their license picks. But I I completely agree. As we're getting into the details, listener, we know that the custom art on this game is going to be done by two artists. I don't know what that means. I need to poke Luke and bug to see what that means, but it's... I'm going to guess one of two things. Either they're going to have different, like a collector's edition and a standard edition, and they're going to have dramatically different art packages, Mm -hmm. or perhaps someone's doing the... The the sides and another the translate or someone's doing the sides and translate and another the play field. Okay. All right. We know that it's Matt Frank who did who did Ultraman wonderfully, I might add. And mm-hmm. uh Jeff Zornow, who who worked on Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, who did phenomenally as well. So what Spooky's I, art packages usually, at least discounting the play field, which I think is more debatable, but their their cabinets and translites, other than like, well, like America's Most Haunted, it's been pretty good for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Like, and the what, art's the one redeeming thing about Rob Zombie. And both of these artists uh, received critical praise uh, for both of those, you know, aforementioned machines. So mm-hmm. using uh, both yeah, of them, that's going to be these a names plus. are These names are, I would view these as a positive. For, I, I for wondered, uh, Dennis, if when I hear Jeff Zornow, I remember the animation on Alice Cooper. I think he did a lot of that artwork because it was like a static imagery kind of thing with uh, hmm. transitional okay. motion. But I'm wondering if Zornow maybe is doing a lot of the animation pieces, whereas Matt Frank is doing a lot of the illustrated artwork oh, on okay. the game. I say, I don't, uh, okay. I don't know. I could see it. I could, I mean, it was, yeah, I just don't know yet. Yeah. I, and we'll to know. me, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too weird. I mean, we're used to like the zombie yetis of the world doing like the whole physical art mm-hmm. package, but there's no, there's no reason it has to be that way either. I could yeah. see one doing the, doing the play field and someone else focusing on maybe everything else, including yeah. the uh, hand created and, uh, aspects for the for the display and we know recent recent releases from spooky pinball they don't even if it's a bloodsuckers edition collector's edition standard edition they generally in the past if if that's going to be a determinant is they don't change the art packages much right you might get butter you might get a a little bit different train but for the most part it's the it's the same package so that's what but they but they could i mean obviously if they wanted to change their mind Normally, I think their collector's editions sell the best, usually because I think yes, the way yes, they, do they do the they like they have a sales model where like if you take the upper end one, you get to the t- front of the line. So they, I remember the the like hardly anyone ordered standard edition Rick and Morty's because there was such a disincentive to you know, like you're at the end of the eighteen month run if you're mm-hmm. the standard. If for some reason they were changing up how they were doing the ordering to for in terms of re- receiving it and they were worried about people starting to choose standards because they make less money on them, for example, mm-hmm. I could see doing a separate art package where the standard has scrappy do on it and you force everyone <laughs> you force everyone to upgrade <laughs> to upgrade. There's so much discussion on Pinside about like petitions going on about leaving out scrappy do. I'm in unless they're scrappy dude. <laughs> He's like he is like one of the most, if not the most hated classic cartoon character of all time. I think I just relate to some of these hated characters because I have no problem with Scrappy Doo. I have no problem with Jar Jar Binks. Uh, I think it's just overblown and, and you know, people are jealous. That's all. 
are jealous for these sub characters. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Give me a Scrappy Doo mode. I don't care. Mm. Don't don't put spooky. Him. Don't don't do that. Don't <laughs> for for your own sales. Don't do that. Please. Uh, music is by Matt Count D. Montgomery, who we all know is the bassist for Rob Zombie. He has worked with Spooky Pinball for a, a number of releases now. So that's that's a highlight for a lot of people as well. I can't think of. Anything he's worked on pinball wise that people turn their nose up at, so that's a good that's a good sign. Uh, and the big thing for me, and during the announcement of the teaser trailer that you can see on their YouTube uh, page, voice work by characters from this franchise, legit voice actors that have voiced these major characters, including the OG of Fred uh, from from Scooby Doo, Frank Welker. Frank Welker has done things like Tom and Jerry Smurfs. My favorite, Inspector Gadget in the 80s. He's even done Megatron, a lot of different Transformers. He's always, he's done Fred and he, 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 hell, he did Scooby for a lot of stuff too. I don't know if he's doing Scooby here, but Frank Welker is a, that's a big one. That's a, that's a big get there. Hmm. We also have, selfishly, one of my favorite actors, probably for the wrong reasons, but they, they were able to attain Matthew Lillard who did the live-action Shaggy, and subsequently after, he's been doing that the vocals for Shaggy for many iterations of the animated series and different films thereafter. But I, I've been starting a, a thing. It's hashtag Matthew Lillard for the win, because, come on, live her alone. Scream, come on. I'm just getting mad, right? Better live her alone. <laughs> live her alone. <laughs> oh, liver, liver, liver. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just, I was just thinking if it was who I, th- I thought it was because I didn't see the live action movie. So, oh, okay. hackers. Yeah, yeah, no, I, That's yeah, he was a screen, and uh, he was also in hackers. Yeah, hackers is what everybody knows. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also uh, had a recurring uh, role on the uh, hit police procedural Bosch. <laughs> that you just did the- watch that show for a while. Yeah, yeah. I watched all of Bosch, yep. yeah, because I read the books. Did he do well in that? Yeah, I mean, it's, he's only in like maybe three episodes. It's because he plays like a, a CIA agent or something. Oh, okay. That's not what the show focuses on. Yeah, so. he, he got a headshot, didn't he? He he, he died. This is like it's just like he was showing his more mature acting chops because oh, I still okay. always think of him as like the the stoner kid guy from yeah, Hackers and, right. and Scream. You know, always being kind of like the surfer bro. And the same thing in in uh, the same thing in Scooby Doo is Shaggy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did okay. a great shaggy. We also get Kate Makuchi. I feel weird saying it like that. Makusi, maybe. Maybe it's a Makusi. Uh, she plays Velma on a lot of the newer Scooby-Doo stuff. I, I know Kate because uh, I'm a comedy fan, and she is one hell of a comedian. Uh, and she does the musical comedic duo of Garfunkel and Oates. Many of you know that. And if you uh, Google her, and if you see her face, she's in all kinds of films and stuff. And they have Gray Griffin. Uh, she does Daphne on a lot of the newer stuff, as well as a lot of uh, vocal acting throughout uh, animation, video games, etc. So we've got a lot of the voice actors probably doing custom callouts. We'll hear that soon. Frank Welker's the big one. I've heard it. Mm-hmm. He's hard to get. I'm, I'm not super familiar with a lot of, of voice actors. I will say, you know, with with Pinheads, uh, a lot of people would have probably liked it to have seen Mark Silk announced doing Scooby. I heard that. I did hear that. And while Mark Silk is phenomenal, when you can get the actual voice actors from these characters, I know that he 
He does, uh, he does Shaggy and Scooby in a lot of work as well. These are from the feature films, the feature series. I, I think even Mark Silk would be like, yeah, I get it. I don't, I don't know, because it's going to sell out anyway. So, Yes, that's true. In the teaser, we got uh, hints to some of the objectives, such as finding clues, collecting Scooby snacks, <laughs> solving original mm. series mysteries. Are and- you doing the Scooby for it? Are you just because I didn't see it flat out confirmed who was doing Scooby in the list, and you just did your Scooby laugh? Why is my why is my fan turning on in my hotel? Hold up, it's overheating. That penalty of your Scooby is death, death by convection oven. What if the entire world was a convection oven, and now the air is just circulating? The dankest, darkest of hotel rooms. Get the hell away from there. Six times I shot him six times. Six times. No, I'm not Scooby-Doo. Um, okay. Maybe I uh, Mark Silk did, did train me well to do a Shaggy and a Scooby. But mm. uh, no, I don't know who's doing Scooby. But it sounds Well, I mean, the, the, the game stuff sounds like this, you know, as you mentioned, collecting the Scooby snacks and finding clues. So it sounds like they, they have latched onto a very obvious... Uh, uh, yeah, right. way to integrate this into pinball. So. It writes itself. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. There, yeah. That's a better way to say it. It, it writes, writes itself. itself. I was looking within the, uh, the forums and spooky is usually pretty open and they communicate well in the forums. God bless them because uh, I don't know if that's advantageous or not, but they do so. And they were hinting and teasing at a lot of sculpts in this game. A lot of sculpts. They say it's kind of, you know, loaded kind of, deal here they're filling out that environment that well under hmm. dog eyes interesting i mean i actually i i could see i'm wondering have you checked yet i know you've been at the show uh and seen if amazon is having a sale on <coughs> scooby-doo cake toppers because that would get them a lot of sculpts and we know that's a tactic that that others enjoy you didn't say custom sculpts so i just have to wonder like it's a low blow dude <laughs> i thought it was somewhat fair <laughs> I'm just saying, I did if you see, want a lot of sculpts, I was, Amazon. I was <laughs> Use Amazon Smile and support my nonprofit. Oh, you know how many times I heard that joke as I stand, as I stood at the show by Toy Story 4? None. You, yeah. I'm the only one who's told you this joke. Luke, I'm, I'm the only creative person you know. Look at all those toys. I did see somebody was like, okay, well, sculpts are one thing, but we like mix. Like We like interactive mix. Sculpts, whatever. And then they were kind of trolled back, Spooky did, and was like, what, what do you think the sculpts are attached to? <laughs> so, the so play field. Maybe there's a lot of mechs in this game, too. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to hype myself up too much. Hey, there could be more servo mechs. There you go. Oh. Bruce Nightingale of Slam Tilt. More servo mechs. <laughs> I hope they got rid of those in-lane elevators. Please. What? No, you what? defended those in your review. I did not. To me, I said they don't. You, to me, so. you did. You're, I think you and I, I maybe quote, because I don't remember anymore. They're not that bad, Dennis. Well. <laughs> and I said, I'm tired of waiting 20 seconds to get my ball back. They work. They work. But <laughs> uh, according to another podcaster, no, they break all the time. Oh, I don't. Mine don't break. So I don't know. I can just. Yours are very my, strong, like uh, mountain. Like bull. Oh, uh, my, my favorite quote in the whole teaser trailer was we're going to be pinball famous. That was a Aww. nice, that was a nice little nod to us pinheads. 
and to us media creators. So thank you with that. We do know that the collector's edition of this game, the highest model, being offered by Spooky Pinball, uh, the guys told me that it will be under $10,000. So that is, that is, I guess, if there is an increase, if they are increasing prices, it's it's not much. It's a couple hundred bucks because... What was the CE for Halloween? I thought those were like 9000 9500 bucks. Mm, okay. So, so ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, and that's what I mean. They, maybe they increase it. Maybe they keep it the same. But under ten k in this environment, when Stern has gone up to thirteen thousand for an LE, and Jersey Jack has gone to their top model at fifteen thousand, this I think is music to a lot of people's ears. Especially if they're talking about sticking a lot of stuff in this game. We're gonna know more this week as dealers here and the community hears more on pricing how many units they're going to produce, different trim levels, features of the game, uh, more information. We're not going to have to wait too long. It's coming this week, and you guys can hear it from the creators themselves, uh, the reps of Spooky Pinball on their Facebook Live this Thursday at 7 Central. Hmm. So, so tune in and ask them. It's like a Q&A, I think they do. Okay. Well, and again, you probably, I'm going to assume, don't have these answers because I don't see them in these lists and I could wait, but I don't like to wait. So <laughs> do we know who did the layout? We Oh, that's a good question. We do not. Thus, I'm assuming we're going back to Chorus Barloff. Oh, so designed by committee. Okay. Uh, what about the software? So yeah, I don't know uh, when it comes to rules. I, I don't even know. They, they've okay. had uh, people come in, go out. I don't even really know who's there right now. I know they added somebody, but I don't know their name. And so we'll, we'll see. I have no clue. I, and I, I note it for a couple of reasons. One is just uh, even though I objectively can look and say Scooby-Doo, excellent theme choice. That's a that's a winner to, to have picked. So that to me, there's not a lot to discuss about the theme because the theme is so clearly a good one. Sure. Uh, and so I always, though, have a very just sort of, you know, personal interest in knowing how the game is going to look because how it plays is what I tend to be more concerned with in terms of what I'm interested in playing. But then the second thing is, of course, there's been a lot of discussion uh, and I've always felt that it's it's overblown in the sense that I I don't think it it really disrupts things, but there's been a lot of discussion in the wake of Halloween and Ultraman and we all know what's happened on the market with those. Uh, there's been a lot of disagreement, we'll mm-hmm. say, with the way the software has gone and disagreement with the way the layout went on that game. And a lot of people were frustrated because they placed orders before they saw any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know some people were like, I'm not going to fall into the same trap on Spooky's next game. My statement has always been, when it's Scooby-Doo Pinball, <laughs> you guys are still going to buy out on this no matter how they do the reveal uh because that's just how pinheads and enough pinheads uh, operate mm-hmm. that I don't really think it actually moves. The, like some people have felt that spooky was going to be punished by how they handled Halloween. And I don't think that's true, especially now that Scooby-Doo is confirmed. But what are, what are your thoughts? Does, does this sell out even if the game is a dog? What row? You like my dog reference? That's a good one. I completely agree uh, that whenever people said, I'm, I'm taking a stand here. I thought to myself, if it is Scooby-Doo, well, you'll take a stand, but you'll sit back down really quick and get out of your wallet. Um, I think that this game sells out immediately. I don't think there's any problem with that. Because of what they've already shared, all checks the boxes. Everything checks the boxes. Everything original. We've got licensed assets. We've got the voice actors. We've got everything that they want. They're teasing about there being physical stuff in this game. 
it will sell out day one and it won't even be close unless they increase the unit, uh, unless they increase the unit total double, uh, honestly, double, they still might sell out, but selling out day one, if they're doing similar numbers to Halloween, you know what, if they do similar numbers to Halloween and Ultraman together, I still think they sell out day one. I hope that I do, they don't I do increase. Too. I, I hope do that too. they don't increase too much, but uh, but I think they sell out immediately. Then again, I don't know how worried they are about selling out because they came out with TNA and they haven't sold out of that, and they don't seem too phased by it. So yeah, and I think some people kind of latched onto what happened with TNA 2.0 as uh, maybe evidence in their minds of when I could see why you would think that of of oh okay nope this is like the Halloween effect. I'm like well you know I. TNA is such a different example because the license, the there is no license. So mm-hmm, yeah. it's not everyone kind of knows to, you either are into TNA and what it offers you or you're not. And I think the thing with TNA was the, there already were 550 out there. There's no nostalgia tie to wanting you to get it. You have to just be really into the game. Mm-hmm. And then the price point they launched it at was too high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a number of factors going on there. The other thing I want to say before we move on to the next story, Dennis, is, listener, I believe that when you get Scooby-Doo as a license, it's that's a funky license. It's nostalgic. I don't see them phoning it in and being safe with this. I think that they're, I, got, I just got a feeling that there's going to be something different about this game. I don't know what, but just... that's. I feel it in my plums. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree there. I think they I think of course You think they learned their I, lesson, knows, who, huh? Uh yeah. I think they're gonna look back and they're gonna go, you know what? The all the complaints about Halloween and Ultraman aren't the art, not the call outs, not the not the light show. It's like why'd we do three upper play fields? Why are there this many scoops? Why are the rules, you know, the it was way still they, code the way animation been. though. And, and of course, rules can be modified and evolve over time. So mm-hmm. I think in the case of of, of Scooby Doo, they're they're going to say, you know what? Let's do some. Let's do a traditional style layout, and we're going to sell it with the sculpts, and we're going to sell it with the mechs. And they're not. I, I so that's my guess. I, I just, don't think they're going to push on innovation. I think they're going to push on. Let's just try and make this as fun as we can, and just make you feel the world of Scooby Doo, and not get all cute with trying to be the weird layout. Like we're we're not the Gottlieb of the modern era. Let's just move. <sighs> back and in fact i wouldn't be shocked if this is a fan layout well i mean okay that's fine uh i just think with that younger group now at the helm i don't think that they've learned their lesson and i think it may work this time i think they're still swinging well Uh, may worked as a i mean it worked the first time that okay, that's the yes, one thing so you're right, you're I, right, I can you're criticize right. because I don't enjoy the layout. Uh, I can criticize that. And a lot of people have And the market on the second hand speaks for itself, but they still, they have their, you know, non-refundable deposit model or however they've got it set up with a pre-order. You know, I don't remember the system, so, mm-hmm. but they've got, they sell out. That's my, yeah, it's still you sold make out. a great point. Yes. And, and so, yes, I, and I agree with you that it's going to sell out here as well. They either, yeah, and I could see it one of two ways. You can either, I I know people that operate in one of two ways. One would be the, okay, uh, we got blowback on this and this. Let's let's do some things different. Like if we're designing by committee still and we're not, you know, very good designers, let's copy something 
you know, similar layout that we know is very popular for it. So that should at least make the layout inoffensive. That's and what then I know Stern others that are do. like, That's what screw you do, guys, though. screw you guys. I am. They double you, down. We're, I'm going to make you like my weird layouts. And, and my argument, Dennis, is I don't think they're either one. I think they're in the middle where either they're just not aware of it or don't acknowledge it. I think they just go by the beat of their own drum. I don't think that they would preemptively just double down just for, I just don't think that's the type of people they are, nor do I think they're the type of crew leadership right now that would say, eh, we need to make a smart business decision here. Pull it back a little bit. Let's get a little, I, they're, they yeah. are the Scooby, Scooby-Doo clan. I think they just, I, they're in I, their know, own I, mystery I, band. I know man. that, but they also said that they loved Halloween. I mean, I don't think you could – love of a theme does not mean you're going to make a good layout. 100%. Yep. It just it just doesn't. And and let's bear in mind – and again, we don't know the full story. At least I don't know the full story of – but we have scenarios of, you know, when you have like Bo and Karen's helping you on rules and then he's no longer involved and he's publicly indicated that he publicly warned salty. them about a whole lot of stuff and they ignored all of his advice. And you're like, why would you ignore someone who would worked on one of your very popular playing games? And do, you, do you think they, Bowen would, do you think, to be fair, I'll play devil's advocate. Do you think Bowen Karen comes out, if that is a certified hit and everybody fucking loves it, you think Bowen Karen comes out and says, you know what, I told, I was wrong because I told them they were messing up this whole time. I mean, it's kind of convenient that. Sure. That's why falls, I said I don't somebody, know. The, yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's why I said I, I don't know the full story. So, but, yeah, I don't know how much I can take Numbers don't lie, Zach. And we know broadly speaking, I know there are some people who love those games. Like like Greg, but but Halloween and Ultraman, broadly speaking, are misses in the community. Agree, agree. And and, so and it, as you said, I, Dennis, numbers I, don't lie; they sold out. I just I I don't think it matters. I, honestly, I don't think I I'm totally on board with you. This is going to sell out whether they pull a page out of Halloween or if they pull a page more out of Alice Cooper. I. I it, I, like you I said it before, it way. doesn't matter, right? You, I you, think it sells out by a way. said that was I, spooky for a long right. time now. But, you know, aside from TNA, I can't think of a single one of their games that really gets praised on the layout in particular. With you, Alice Cooper, a lot of it was code. You're right. You're so, right. You're right. Yeah, I don't. It's just I don't know what to. Expect. And they may not care. They may not care. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to make them. I don't care. I hey, don't care if they care or don't care. It doesn't affect. And I've and I publicly like said that I publicly said that spooky games require a little bit more maintenance at times. They're more finicky at times. Uh, they can be your problem children in a collection at times. Um, so they have that, in my opinion, as a downside to a lot of their products. But for some reason, my ass still owns their games. And a lot of it is theming, uh, immersion, et cetera, things that are important to me. So we'll see. We'll see how it uh, how it shakes out this week. More to come on that. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're going to hear other podcasters talking about it uh, with additional information as well. But mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to them on, uh, on the reveal. Absolutely. Congratulations. And I, I know I'm going to get shit and everybody's going to say, well, it's because you sell spooky pinball machines. Uh, I will remind oh, people. Are you a dealer for uh, them now? Fl- look, fl- flipping out pinball uh, prior to the announcement of Scooby-Doo, it was not an official dealer, uh, authorized dealer distributor for spooky pinball. Um, and whether or not we will be for Scooby-Doo, we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, well, they're just going to have to listen to my opinion on all this stuff then. I, I, I'll say this. I'm, regardless of my dealer or not, I'll be 
selling some Scooby-Doo's and we have a running list. Self-interested, let me know. People are like, that makes no sense, Zach. Yeah, okay. that doesn't. It makes zero sense. Yeah, no. Hey, Dennis, I was listening to the Super Awesome Pinball Show a couple weeks ago, right after our last episode. They interviewed George Gomez, but prior to that, they uh, they were talking about some interesting stuff, including the possibility of a Prince pinball machine, formerly known as the artist, formerly known as Prince. That's a good license. Okay. That's a good license. Yeah. That works. Yeah. That works. Uh, Franchi was making the pitch, doing some artwork mock-ups uh, to pitch. And he said, well, this is while he was at American Pinball. And as a result, Prince license will never happen because they wanted $1.5 million for the assets and license to use in a pinball machine of, of Prince. And AP wasn't able uh, to secure that. They came with an <laughs> offer and it was it was laughable to the point of uh, no negotiation there. Yeah. No, one point five million. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if even Stern would do it. I don't know if they would either. I mean, mean, Beatles. The rumor, you know, the yeah, that was the Kamikawa rumor was Beatles was a million, and they did a whole special structure, you know, with limiting the entire run, and then that game didn't sell out right away. It took quite a while. So I, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I would agree with Franchi. Then the Prince is a no go. Here's the thing that gets me though. And I don't know if uh, I haven't done enough research to to know if Prince would be a slap in the face home run. We sell this game out regardless because of the license. I know it's a big license. I know I like that music. But if we do the math, and and for some math is hard, but one point five million. How how many games does Stern make? Let's guess. You know we know they do a thousand LEs. Let's mm. say, let's say uh, they do two thousand of each uh, pro and premium, uh, five thousand for. Let's just roughly say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Five thousand sounds. Yeah, I, I don't take, think that's an unrealistic for the biggest yeah. manufacturer in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So if we take one point five million divided by five thousand, just to see per unit how much this license would cost this product, we are at three hundred dollars. Now, for this to be. Discussed in a way that 1.5 million. This is preposterous. This is crazy. I don't think that's that much of a reach. You can't tell me that with all these price increases over the last two years that if Prince really was a back to the future or something like that, $300 per machine is really that big of an issue? Surely it's more than the money because for me, I know that there's probably 50 licenses out there that if the manufacturer came to me and said, hey, if you want one of these 50, we'll be happy to make it, but we've got to increase the price by $300, I'd say, fuck it, increase the price by 1000 because I want that theme in a pinball machine. 300 bucks is nothing. No, I mean, that's the, that's the question to me would be, are you planning to put this in, like, are we doing a special Beatles only, like keeping it limited style thing to try and drum up interest? Or I'm assuming American, and this is, of course, total assumption, American Pinball was planning to just put it into the line like uh, they do anything else, you know, do a standard run. Uh, and all of a sudden, are you having to reprice everything? You see that? No, so let's it, say yeah. you're selling the game and it's like the game's the same price as Hot Wheels and Oktoberfest. And like the, that's what you wanted. You went in wanting that. And now you're like, all right, well, I have to I have to either raise the price $300 or I have to shed $300 out of the bill of materials. Not to mention you're saying we're using your number of 5,000 pins, which in the case of American Pinball, 
I don't know if they're going to do a no, five thousand no, pins. God you know, no. if they only did, let's say, let's say they only sold a thousand of them, or thought they could only sell a thousand of them. That's fifteen hundred more dollars. Okay. And for a lot of it's, non-dealer people that buy everything they love, that's a lot of money to commit. I think it's tough to make the argument with Prince because it is one of those themes that's like it could go either way. But well, that's the but what, but, and that's the that's the thing. I don't. Uh, but Prince, but what I I'm hate saying this because I know Prince fans, but uh, Prince is not the Beatles, and I just don't think you. Nope, yeah. I, I, and and let's remember also consider it in the context of every other. We got to think about every other license out there that isn't going to be ridiculous like this. And it's like, why would we? Why would we do all this mental gymnastics ma- math oh, stuff yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're making mm-hmm. us do, Zach? When we could probably just go ahead and secure another almost equally, a if not Jaws equally, popular. Oh yeah, and not, you know, and moving beyond music pins, this is something else. Just it, I something agree. else. I like Scooby Doo didn't cost one point five million, and Scooby Doo is a smarter move than Prince. Yes, one hundred percent in agreement See, with easy. all of it. But what I'm what I'm saying is, I'm using Prince and these numbers just as uh, an example to say what you're saying. In that, if we know Beatles is a million dollars, the most expensive pinball license ever attained. Right, uh, and we know that Prince was 1.5 million, which was like that's ridiculous. The, to your point, there's got to be so many damn licenses out there that even at a million dollars, holy shit, sign up! Why? Why are we wasting our time with some of the licenses that are coming out? That's my point. Like this is mm. this is absurd. At minimum, we should. If Beatles is a million dollars, there's got to be so much that we can get. With a similar amount of money. You can't tell me that Back to the Future, if it is just a financial thing, that's my point is I think it's more than that. I think it's more IP limitations mm. that are more constrictive than than finances here. Because Back to the Future, let's say it's $2 million. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? That's a, a $2 million, sign me up. Plus, on the Super Awesome Pinball Show, they were talking about it being like you know when you when you get into a con, uh, contractual agreement, it's like seven seven to nine percent of the wholesale cost. Um, there's an upfront cost required, but this one point five million used as an example is not the upfront cost. It's just that's the minimum you're going to be paying if uh, if you sign up for it. Otherwise, it's just a percentage of the thing, which made it sound even more like a no brainer for some of these huge licenses. Uh- I'm not sure that was how that was explained. That's how I understood it. I I interpreted it as that the let's say the let's use the 1.5 million. So the 1.5 million, I took it like how it works is like a book advance. So you're paying in this case, you're advancing the license holder the 1.5 million dollars. You make the games and then. Once they have earned off of the what the percentage would be the 1.5 million, if you continue to make more, they get the percentage per unit. Yes, yes, I yeah, I see it that way as well. But I didn't I didn't think it's 1.5 million upfront. I thought it was percentage up to uh, fulfillment. Uh, yeah, and I, if you don't, I don't remember, fulfill, I don't remember the the segment well enough yeah, to remember how they explain like how they handle doing the initial payments. Uh, but anything with, with anything after that met, and if it's a percentage, whoop de fucking do. Yeah, no, I, I don't th- that I don't think that's the barrier. I don't I don't believe that was presented as the barrier. They're just kind of explaining, it, yeah, you know, how 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 the why the license holder like why you know Stern like renewing ACDC five different times wasn't a big deal because they mm-hmm. probably just said yeah we're just going to keep getting the percentage. Yes, so. yeah. 
Yeah, so I I don't know. It made me think hearing those guys talk about it, especially Franchi, because he was uh, speaking from the experience of it. I, it seems even more like a no-brainer for these companies to to swing for the fences with licenses instead of some of the titles we've been seeing over the last five years. But you know, I, I in some instance, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer because I think it just it depends on what boat. You know, what, which which of the pinball manufacturing boats we're floating on, right? So, like, I think Stern's license picks have all made sense regardless of whatever they're spending on them. I don't understand the uh, – granted, a lot of these are rumored. Some of the rumored JJP licenses and some of the stuff we've seen come out seem logical and some of them seem odd to mm-hmm. me. And then American Pinball, which constantly seems almost – I don't want to use the word afraid, but I will. Afraid to commit long-term to licenses, and they keep playing the original theme game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we like, have uh, Pinball Brothers, it's uh, rocking out Alien and Queen. Those sure, are big sure. licenses. I mean, yeah, I, some of these, it just, and again, I don't think they those necessarily cost too much. I, I, I just don't think there's. I, I just heard. don't think there's any excuse for American Pinball at this point. When Pinball Brothers is pulling what they are, when Spooky Pinball is doing what they are, I just don't think, I think it is a... Uh, it is a decision at this point. I don't think they can hide behind it's too expensive because that's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. They're choosing not to pick big licensing, in my opinion. Well, they clearly are choosing not to. I just don't know what the motivation behind it is. When you hear the interviews and you know, thinking back to some of the David Fix interviews, it seemed to me that it was his opinion that there is a big market for original pinball. I disagree with him. I don't think there is a big market for original themes. I agree. And it'll, as I'm thinking about it, Iron Maiden. What? Rush. What? Uh, I'm the, sorry. They, they knew they were going to sell to every Canadian with a Rush theme. So that was smart. I don't think so. I, but it when, was smart. But there are a hundred licenses better. Why are we messing with Rush? Why are we messing with Iron Maiden? Because That's it was easy to get. It was easy to do. I think music pins, I, I think Stern turns to music pins because I think they're easy. Like, I think that it's like, oh, well, we don't have to come up with a story. Like, it's easy on the programmers. We don't have to come up with a story or anything. Just throw in, you know, we'll just, it's all about rules. God, don't uh, trigger Ray Day. No, he <laughs> get him like, he he wants to do the he wants to do rules that are just rules. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't have to tell a story in a music pen. In a so. world of rules and stories, well, it saves you on the writer. Like that's like the writer has to do that or something. I don't know no. who gets stuck doing the writing. Maybe they all hate it and they're like, I don't want to. Maybe that's <laughs> just, maybe only Dwight likes that. And be like, I want to craft a world, God. a real world under glass through the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is like, I want to figure out how to put in a four X bonus. Yeah, and with songs, we can just do it. Mm. Just do it. Airport mode. And some people, I think, maybe prefer it that way. Because uh, then, you know, when you do like shows and, and movies and stuff, you do get people whining like, it's out of order. Or, Why are we linear. playing Guardians? And everything's like, we're not going through the sequence of the movie. We're playing different, you know, we're in nowhere when we shouldn't be at nowhere yet in the yeah. story. It's yeah. like, uh, well, because it's a pinball game. That's right. You don't want it linear. So uh, the Super Awesome Pinball Show hosts also interviewed George Gomez in a two-parter. I heard the first part. I have not yet listened to the second mm. part. I so. finished the second yesterday. Actually. Okay. Okay. So you can fill us in if there's anything additional here, but they talked about uh, the licensor uh, of James Bond. George Gomez said they actually were the ones that requested the 60th anniversary old school style of machine. I found that interesting. Hmm. They were the ones that wanted to do uh, such a thing. Huh? How about that? They wanted an old school thing. 
a lot of these licensors, that's kind of what they know pinball as still. So I guess they're like, yeah, you can do what you want with your video game up to date kind of thing. But can we just have an old pinball machine? And I guess it makes sense to the the generation of when that uh, of when James Bond came out. The the focus of using Sean Connery as the James Bond back in the. Uh, I mean, so I get it. Kind of uh, that. That's where it's like, but we've seen in the mock-up image that was leaked by the 007 store that the 60th anniversary like has all the, it's oh, the one that's, that's got yeah, all the bonds in it. So mm-hmm. it would have made more sense for, for in my mind, for Gomez's version to be the one that represented all the movies that's and then true, yeah. Elwin's version to just have done Connery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I don't, I don't know. We're going to see it mid-December is what I'm is what I'm hearing. Uh, also, there's three sets of sounds on Elwin's 60th anniversary. I guess it's like an old tech board or like a dip switch on on some of the older games. Where oh, are can, they doing like the like tr- how chimes were with three I, chimes? Yeah, I don't. Three sets of sound. I think you can change it to where it's like early mm-hmm. 80s sounds or more contemporary sounds. Or, oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Uh, George Gomez said about Keith Elwin's 60th anniversary upcoming James Bond special edition game. He has never seen, quote, swoopy figure eight thing, and quote, that returns it back to the flipper for a shot continuation. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. Swoopy figure eight mm, thing that returns very, it back yeah. to the flipper. For it's the swoopy part that's so confusing. Is he talking about like a fathom in lane? You know, I know when I hear swoopy figure eight thing, I almost think of like how uh, Mark Ritchie and his crossover ramps. Oh, yeah. yeah. But but instead, obviously, this is a single level. So maybe it comes in, you know, shoot a, a left shot and then it it loops and there's a, gu- a ball guide that will oh. feed it around and then it pops out. Or like a, maybe like a single level Deadpool Katana shot. Where it kind of mm. feeds from yeah, one yeah. part of the other and come, yeah. and there would be gaps in it so that it mm-hmm. has guides, but there are breaks, so the ball actually will continue on its trajectory because yeah. of physics, and then it will it'll feed back around, and so you'll shoot in in the the left hand entrance, and it will come out of the right hand side of the figure eight, but it back to the left, Ooh. back to the left flipper. I visually saw that when you explained. Yeah, it. that's a, that's the swoopy figure eight thing. Ooh. We've decided that the crease eight. Okay, maybe. Maybe they say he said there's inline targets for this upcoming game release. Uh, there's a crossover. There's crossover features for the insider connected between George Gomez's Cornerstone game and the Keith Elwin 60th anniversary limited game. Uh, so that's interesting. George Gomez also said in the interview that it was cost prohibitive to get Goldfinger and Thunderball theme songs. So he was bummed about that. Well, what they just need to add three hundred more dollars to machine, See? Zach. That's what Isn't I'm saying. That, that song is probably <laughs> only fifty dollars extra one, machine. Did Do they it. want one point five million? I don't think so. Goldfinger, <laughs> just have me sing it. I'll do it for ten a machine. He's a man, a man with the Midas touch. Midas touch. I don't. Midas touch. I just, I just maybe we need to go to a la carte pinball more. Some of us collectors are okay with paying the extra. <laughs> just, when you said a la carte, I thought you were going to say Olive Garden pinball. <laughs> <We got laughs> I the, thought, there you go. American pinball starts small. Do Olive Garden Bread pinball. sticks and salad. Uh, yeah, breadstick multiball. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you're here, you're family wizard mode. Why is it that Olive Garden has become like the McDonald's of sit-down restaurants? Because <laughs> No, it's basically Applebee's and Chili's now. But I know. And you know what? <laughs> Growing up uh, in the in the 
lower class to maybe uh, hope, maybe hoping to be middle class. Olive Garden was a big deal for my family, and yep. and yep. you know what? I still love Olive Garden. My my wife turns her nose up at it, and she's like, "God, no, we're not going there." Uh, but I love the Olive Garden, especially with the the breadsticks, and you get the little uh, Alfredo dipping sauce. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. It's good shit. I went, well, years ago, I went one time with a, a friend of mine, and he had never – I don't think he'd ever been to an Olive Garden. And he ordered their lasagna. Mm, and, they, and, they yeah. brought, and they brought it out, and he just looks at it, and the waitress comes back, and she's like, oh, something's wrong. And he goes, no, no, it's it's fine. It just – I was surprised at how small it was. <laughs> she brought him out a bigger piece. <laughs> Well, like, like, come on, man. I'd be okay if they even actually unpackaged it on my place it was, because it's it a was, microwave product. It was, just, it was just funny because he had he had been a waiter for years, and so when, <laughs> after he ordered it before it came out, he had said, "I don't know how they make money at these price points." <laughs> and then he gets his baby's sliced lasagna size, and I'm like, "That's how enjoy your ravioli sized lasagna." lasagna. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm gonna complain about it. I'm gonna complain about it. There's your dish. <laughs> <laughs> a dish you from dish. a plastic bag, bag. <laughs> a bread sauce bag <laughs> oh, man. extra parmesan cheese we will shred you, I, go, I go with the tour of Italy and I love it I just love it <laughs> it tastes even better heated back up again the next day Give it to me all day long. I'm not afraid to admit I love Olive Garden. Garden fresh salad, drizzled with our signature Italian dressing. Or four homemade soups to choose from. Plus, fresh out of the oven breadsticks. Our famous never-ending first course is so good, you might just forget you still have more to look forward to. Enjoy never-ending super salad and breadsticks. On us before every meal. Only at Olive Garden. We're all family here. Okay. What else do we got in this interview? They talked about the original Bond on a wand jetpack. It was originally conceptualized flying around the playfield and Bond being angled at different times. It was very much, uh, George said, more dynamic in its presentation mm. than what it currently, than what it, what it ended up being. And he said the problem was that from an engineering standpoint, Getting him to move around the play field, being that it was dynamic, was fine, but it didn't have the structure to be able to hold a ball bearing. So, yeah, that, they couldn't that do makes that. sense. It reminds me of because when he when that was described, it made me think of like the premium LE Ghostbusters Slimer mech. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. which you know moved around quite a bit, but all it was holding up was that little rubber Slimer. It didn't have to. It didn't have to sustain a ball. It made me think about the uh, prototype attack from Mars. How Brian Eddy originally wanted the UFO to come out over the playfield on a, on a, uh, I guess on a, a beam or on a on a wand, um, a steel pole or something, and uh, it was supposed to come out and move around, but instead it was just uh, more static in its production model. That's what it made me think about. Mm. I don't know. Well, I haven't played the premium here at the Pensanetti yet. I need to get my I need to get some time on it before we close down today. Uh, speaking of Stern Pinball. I forgot which podcast or stream I I heard this on, but George Gomez was talking about likely only being two Cornerstone releases in 2023. It, we might, were, have been, it might have been Saps. It, okay. It may have been. But uh, he talked about 
due to back orders and, and such that we'll probably see a year like 2022 with only two cornerstone releases. Mm-hmm. And we, you and I discussed that and we kind of posited the idea that maybe there was only going to be two, uh, two next year. I, so I think it's, I think it's the, the right decision until they're caught up on the backlog. Yeah. And especially if they want to sneak in another little special version, like they're doing this year of the 60th anniversary uh, of Elwin's of bond. Yeah. I get that then. Two cornerstones makes sense. I know it makes you sad because you like talking about new pinball, but... I do like new pinball, damn it. There was an update as well. Uh, I was Someone from Stern reached out to me and wanted to clarify that uh, they said, hey, listen to your podcast, heard about you guys discussing the home editions of of Jurassic Park being last call and Star Wars and Star Wars comic home editions being last call. You guys kind of speculating, is this it for the home edition models or are, are we gearing up for another title? They said they wanted to confirm with us that uh, they have no plans for the home edition to go away. The the line, though, yes. like they yep. were, this, Jurassic Park and Star Wars are going away. Correct. That is last okay. call. That's going to be done. Uh, I, they could always, like we talked about before, hell, a year from now, maybe they want to re-up that license. and make, No, sure, but, vault them. Yeah, but, uh, but they said that that, that line is not dead. In fact, they do have plans to have another release, uh, have another release of the home edition. So, so there's your update from Stern Pinball themselves. Mm. No big production updates or changes this week. We're still going to be seeing Bond LEs probably start rolling out in the next week or two. And uh, alongside the rest of those early run pros, we're going to see some Jurassic Park home editions go on the line here soon, if not already. Uh, gearing up to the end of that run. And then uh, throughout the month, you're going to see Ellie's of Bonds. Beginning of next month, January, we're going to see premiums on the line as well as the 60th anniversary on the line. And then at the end of the month to beginning of February, you're going to see more James Bond pros. So a lot of, a lot of meow, 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 meows are coming. I'm looking forward to Which the is LA good because that's the only song in the game. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of it this weekend. <laughs> I've heard a lot of it. We did, I, unboxed, uh, I unboxed the Showroom Pro for Flipping Out Pinball, and my first takes were that it is a fast bastard of a game. It is a very, very fast, bouncy game. I don't know if it's a great thing. I don't know if it's a horrible thing. It's just I'm stating that it is a fast, is a fast mm. game. Yeah, I still haven't. We actually got two on location. I wasn't able to get out yet and play either of them. Uh, but we had a couple Bond pros recently arrive. And, you know, the feedback and actually, you know, the only thing I would note from the second uh, part of the Gomez interview is he spoke more about like the the the, the challenges they had with the Queen's death, for example. Mm, he he kind of yeah. he kind of went on to explain, no, they really, you know, were taken by surprise they'd ship the games over and then it was very last minute that the licensor said you know we we want you stern to not have this at our uk show because of the the queen's death and you know because george wanted to push back on on some people who were saying like no that's it's it's a smoke screen they're having other issues though i i note that uh aspect of the interview in regards to this production update because the one thing, though, is regardless of, and I, I have no reason that I would doubt George's statement that, yes, that is exactly why they had that game pulled from that show. The code is still so basic you're, compared to where they've yes. been lately. It's, it's a big complaint I'm hearing from a lot of people. So you're like, this game should have been delayed a lot more mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the queen. Like, why is this out right now when 
And I've heard all sorts of rumors, like it's the you know the licensor is just not approving. Like it's not it's not the programmers at Stern that are behind. It's the licensor green lighting everything. It's just super tedious. But okay. regardless, it's like. I mean, when when you hear if I if I recall the latest triple drain when they're joking about yeah you have the Doctor No Pro and then you can't even choose Doctor No in the game he's not that selectable was, yeah, yet that's ironic and it's like I just uh, this is I still think this goes down even I don't think it goes down as a bad game for Stern but it goes down as probably their worst reveal in a really long time I think and that may have been all out of their control but it it still reflects on them so I I, I would agree on that and I would. I would jump on the back of that and say that you're right. The code is, the code is, it is early. You're so right. Mm. It's so early that I'm like, I know how to start shit because there's not much in it to start. Um, it's, it's super fast, but yeah, the code's just, just not there. It's just not there. Uh, and I can tell on the bright side here, this is going to be a Batman 66 type of game. There are a shitload of things that they're going to code to do. This is going to have a slow burn. I think the trajectory of this is going to be very positive because it is going to be a a full, full journey of a game, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. people are already saying, you know, uh, they're not fast ball times. They're in the moderate uh, ball time range, as was Batman 66. And with what they have laid out on the play field and, and laid out in the animations that they do provide, you can tell... Uh, this is going to be a full, full, long saga of a of a game, I think. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be concerned about the code eventually getting there. We're a long. I mean, we're a long time away from mm-hmm. the Wheel of Fortune days. I was just going to say there are plenty of examples more towards the latter period of the DMD era where a lot of games were really turning out with pretty basic early code, and but they they all got there. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so many things to do on the playfield insert wise. Like if every mode as as they've presented as such, because there's like one quote unquote mode uh, of a of a, a henchman, one mode coded or two modes coded of uh, one of the specters, one mode or two modes of the weapon, but they're all like modes. So just based on that principle, there's gonna be like thirty modes in this game. Mm, that's a lot of modes. That's a lot of modes. Uh, but uh, it's fun to shoot. It's a damn fun shooter. But uh, yeah, I'll have to get more time on the premium LA because I know it's going to slow the ball down quite a bit. And based on my experience on the pro so far, I may welcome that. Hmm. That left uh, that left shot of the opto spinner to the ramp and the flow around. That's the sh- that's the shot of that layout there. It's like Stranger Things, but better. It's like that left shot. It's it's really really good. Gomez likes that left orbit to something else, whether it's a saucer or whether it's another ramp. That's that's the shot of the game there. What else do we want to talk about? We can talk about awards season. There's some updates as we've been continually keeping you listeners updated on the awards season of the year for pinball. We know the Twippy Awards. We're trying to find a co-host to co-host with Emoto. Uh, they asked Christian Line per the SAPS podcast and Christian line declined as well. So a running list of people declining to co-host this show. And, uh, they did find one. Todd Tucky is going to be co-hosting with a moto, uh, at oh, TPF. Okay. So, uh, so we got a duo. We're ready to go now for the twippies. And then regarding the pinball industry awards, uh, we're doing another, we got a meeting coming up. So more information to come on that, but I'm getting really excited about that. 
Mm. I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting well, you excited. do like celebrating pinball, so I like celebrating pinball, and I like I like making moves forward. I like adding to the like when the, we get longer, bigger projects like this every year. I don't like to be in a rut. Uh, I think I speak for the, the the PIA group when we're always every year looking to advance, whether that advancement is something dynamic or something more objectively clean. Our goal is to celebrate pinball cleaner, bigger, and better each and every year. And uh, some of the things that we're looking to implement this year, I think, uh, are very exciting to me and are very fresh. And I'm reinvigorated as to the direction that we're trying to go to celebrate those who help create pinball. Damn, that was like a, a political podium statement there. Dude. Mm, yeah, you said clean so much. I thought you were going to announce that Windex was sponsoring this year. I'm just trying not to downplay production because, God damn it, I love production. And I think everything awards should be highly produced uh, or should be done so in a way that uh, includes a lot of people. So I'm trying to say clean because, you know. It should be nice. We're giving awards away. Crystals. We're giving crystals away, Dennis. And the best way to clean those crystals is with Windex cleaning products. No, cut all that part out until Windex gives us our check. That's right. Just don't use it on your Invisiglass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Oh, I wonder if... Multimorphic P3 games have Invisiglass. They don't come standard, do they? I don't think. You know, I'm not going to say because I don't want to get corrected. Yeah, I don't know if they do or not. I don't know. If I don't they know. Do or not. I don't know. What and I'm I not do gonna know, guess, and I'm not going to look it up right now. So, what I do know is that the P3, uh, the P3 system now has another uh, dedicated game. This time, for the first time, dedicated is a console it's not a console module a, module thank you another module new module by first time third party company uh, or third party creator uh, the game is called drained and is by nick baldridge announced i think a week or two ago mm-hmm. it's based on a we'll see how bad i can mess this up it's a vampire themed kind of thing yep, yep. Okay. vampires right. okay and it's based uh it's more single level approach to a module? Very EM, actually. Very EM yeah. style. Gobble Hole Incorporated. Ooh, true Gobble uh, Hole. A lot, lot of, uh, it's a symmetrical uh, module. Oh, you love symmetry. Which is, symmetry was symmetry. very common in the, no, symmetry is not my strong suit. Um, uh, lots of stand-up targets, uh, some drop targets, uh, got a actual knocker, physical knocker, physical bell that rings. Oh, that's badass. I so, like that. So again, lots of e- things from the EM era. Okay. I like that. I think that the Buffalo Pinball crew did a live reveal. I haven't been able to watch it yet. A live reveal of gameplay, right? Yes, I they did. So. Okay. Uh, any any thoughts, additions to this release? I know that you're in connection with Nick Baldridge here and there, and he is a sweet, nice fella. He's reached out, and I've discussed and talked with him as well. I love that he took this project on. He is a very project-driven person, just seeing all the – I mean, this is not his first P3 game. He's done several others, and he's also done other homebrews. Like his multi-bingo, I think, is probably the, the homebrew a lot of people first associated with him. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I was, um, this is the first time we've seen that, as you noted, a third party module. So I'm, I'm curious about like how that was going to go. And I mean, it, it, from the way it seems it's, it's truly third party. Like he set up his, a companies, he's got to handle the product, like 
P3 signed off on, this is all valid to work with our system and everything. And they're involved when you want to get the software to be able to run it. But you do the order through his site, Nick's site, to mm-hmm. actually purchase the module, which I believe are are thirty five hundred dollars for the module. Which okay. uh, Tony, had, my co host with Eclectic Gamers Podcast, had looked and said that's the same price as the Weird Al module. Oh, that's a, that makes me okay. All right, I have an opinion on that. Okay, um, there's some cool stuff that Nick is doing. I just like the concept alone. A third party is ballsy enough to make a module for this platform. I think that is a move mm. in the right direction. I, big, I'm curious. Big I'm curious if it will inspire other people to uh, do modules. Like if they were curious, you know, if they were on the fence uh, about like is how practical is it and stuff. And and Nick. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to volunteer. Nick is going to explain to everyone, like, here's how you like it. He wants to walk yeah. everyone through it, but he's very supportive of the platform. So it, it doesn't surprise me that regardless of intention, that it will serve as a motivating factor for a lot of people that uh, maybe were thinking that this could be a good option. Cause it, you know, it saves them a whole lot of other, like you're not having to build the entire pinball machine yourself, yourself mm-hmm. and such. So I think it could be, I think it could go both ways. It could be motivating, uh, to get into it if this thing does sell. Uh, it could be demotivating. Is that even a word, demotivating? Uh, yeah, okay. sure. Okay. I remember the old demotivational posters. My favorite one okay. was the one with the eagle soaring in the mountains. And you love eagles, so <laughs> I'm bringing do. it up. And, and it was titled Leadership. And then beneath it, it said, Leaders are like eagles. We don't have either of them here. Oh, <laughs> that's a harsh one. All of them were harsh. That's why they were called demotivational. Poor Eagley. Uh, the People could be demotivated to try their own module out if, in fact, it falls flat on its face sales-wise. But how would they know? I mean, unless Nick goes public with the numbers, they won't necessarily know, will they? I, I think I think uh, we know just loosely if a game does well or not. I mean, like, I don't know how many people own rocks for P3, for example. I have no context or sense of it. Okay, well. All right, here's my thought on Drained. That was nice. There are things I like about it. Maybe this is so highbrow that I'm not supposed to understand it. Maybe. What? Maybe, you don't understand vampires? <laughs> well, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't get this. I don't. None of it makes sense. And I always feel like I'm ass of a joke. When I come in and people are using memes that I don't understand and I'm behind because I'm old, I, what the fuck is this game? I don't know. It's a it's a orbit and a scoop. I don't know what this game is, and I don't think it looks fun, and I don't know why time was spent making it. On nights when Dad works late, we'll treat ourselves a bit at Olive Garden. Ooh, breadsticks. It's a chance for us to catch up. So is uh, Donna still in the picture? Maybe. Enjoy Olive Garden's new chicken crostata. Grilled marinated chicken breast with our tomato alfredo sauce. Or new steak crostata. Grilled steak medallions with a four cheese sauce. Both with crispy Asiago cheese crostatas and unlimited salad and breadsticks. So is this uh, serious? Yeah, this is seriously good. (laughs) I feel like I'm just not understanding something. So this could be on me. I just fucking don't get it. That's my take. Mm. So email me, enlighten me. I, I respect the hell out of Nick. I respect this process and decision to go in this direction to do something uh, as a third party. 
I love that Multimorphic has a, a group of people that are very supportive, um, but I don't get this product. I don't get this product at $500. I just don't get this product. Mm. That's my take. I, I, it's a loop. It's a fucking loop. At Olive Garden, sauce is the soul. It turns lasagna into a classico. It's what takes you on a tour of Italy and chicken and shrimp carbonara to the next level. Our amazing sauces made from scratch every day. And they all pair perfectly with our never-ending first course. That's always on us. Olive Garden, we're all family here. Oh, so you, do you not get the game or you don't get the module? I don't get the design. I don't. Oh, well, Nick's uh, design philosophy is very, I, I'm going to say, I almost want to say avant-garde, but obviously this is a throwback to it, to an older style, but, but all of Nick's games, uh, and this is just my take on it is he has a, like, he has a game philosophy or a type of game that he really likes that I do not think is mainstream. Okay. Would be how I would describe it. So like case in point. So the very first game, this one's not publicly available, but one that he developed for himself. The first one I was aware of that he worked on for the P3 was based off of the point and click adventure quest for glory. And because he based it on that, of that game, if I recall, the base default settings of it are you got one ball and you could save your progress just like the game. But if you drained the ball and you hadn't saved, you'd have to start over. And the only that's cool concept, and the only like real it. way to. Yeah, no, it's an interesting idea. But you see, it's it's pretty out there, though, compared mm. to normal. And maybe that's right? where this is relying. Pretty out there in, in the rules. And, and so and then, you know, he did Rangers in the Ru- Ranger in the Ruins, which is a uh, roguelike, which, again, is a video game concept that we don't really see in in pinball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had the uh, the what Silver Falls, which uh, to me, I, I I always refer to it as a, like the Sims. It's like the the home building genre, again, yeah, a video yeah. game inspired thing. This one, in a lot of ways, to me, made the most sense compared to traditional pinball because it's pulling from how you would play EM like wood rail EM games. Obviously mm-hmm. it's using P3 screen for you to, but I mean, I, 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 I didn't watch the live stream yet. Um, yeah. I Cause I wasn't able to watch so. when it was live, but, but based off of what I understand, you know, they have these, these targets for uh, indicating for you to slay a vampire, you hit those targets. And then that is what activates the vampire battle mode. And okay. then you just have to complete some indicated shots to do that. And then once you've done that, you shoot for the gobble hole and that's what kills the vampire. So okay. conceptually that all, you know, makes sense to me. I'm, I, you know, I know there are supposed to be like rewards that you get by shooting the, the back parts of the module and stuff like, mm-hmm. obviously the module has those slay and, and vampire stuff, but they've got, he's got items incorporated, which again, kind of a video game concept there mm-hmm. where you would often gather up items in order to accomplish your, I'm wondering maybe, you know, there were some items incorporated in Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. I don't know if he's implemented them the same way, but okay. you know, we've seen a little bit of like, uh, that's all like video. So he's blending video game and sort of wood rail EM together, I think. Okay. And, and maybe, maybe the, uh, the genius lies in the rules and the code, uh, because I, I'm just reacting based on visually mm-hmm. what I've seen in and, the art and the layout. And that I don't understand. But then again, you know, um, look at TNA. No. TNA is a bad example because he did this, the Denise lock, which is original. I can't even use that. I don't know. The design makes well, any I- regular EM look like a fucking Wizard of Oz. At Olive Garden, nobody loves Alfredo quite like we do. We make it from scratch so you can enjoy it poured, twirled, or dipped. With our one-of-a-kind Alfredo, the possibilities are endless. 
Like, there's nothing going on in this game. Now, in terms of like kinetic satisfaction, if you want that phrase, my guess is the way this module is structured is it's designed to allow you to actually sweep and hit targets, like sweepable targets, which some people like, that's one of the, in fact, that's the big selling point of of, uh, Quicksilver that I always hear is the sweepable you know, having like a sweepable mm-hmm. drop bank and stuff. So he's laid it out, as I understand it, so that you have this sort of sweepable symmetrical design. So I, that's where I think he's thinking the kinetic satisfaction is supposed to come from. Plus the, you know, the uh, immersion through having an actual old timey bell, an actual old timey knocker. The knocker is not fu- just firing on like replay. It actually is used in the game. I so that's that. what I think it's it's going it's going for. Obviously, the price point is very high uh, when you consider that it's tied with uh, the most expensive module from the first party mm-hmm. lineup. Uh, does he sell more than ten units? I don't. Okay, I don't see how. But I mean, I don't. I there are a lot of people that have are in on P three now because they bought Weird Al's. And my my theory, I, I shared this on Eclectic Gamers, is that whether or not they're skeptical of under like the gameplay, like they're not sure that they'll like it or not, I do think there will be a a quantity of P three people that will buy this game either just to support P3 stuff in general or because they they want to feel like they have more and more value in the system because the system's mm, yeah, pricey yeah. so so you know you you if there aren't a lot of games all, for your yeah. yeah well if you if you if you have a game console and it doesn't have a lot of games out you you might feel like you need to buy all of the games in order to feel like you get your full value out of the product. Yeah. That you, and the there's nothing to, to say that Multimorphic doesn't come out with uh, an additional game add-on that utilizes this module. So, you know, that's curious. I wonder how that, uh, I mean, I guess another, that's interesting. You know, I never thought like, could they, I'm sure they could talk to Nick. I wonder what the rules are, I guess is the thing. I guess as long as you sell the module, anyone's allowed, you know, as long as Nick sells the module to someone, I think anyone could develop their own software. Oh, that like is you can see another, yeah, another third party makes another game using this layout. Or if there, this would be really interesting. If there was a first party game that Multimorphic put out that uses yeah. a third party module, I don't know exactly, if they would ever go yeah. that route, but, um, but it, you know, the creativity uh, on all the options that can happen is, I think, pretty interesting. Art or style, the, or uh, do you think that do you think that the a third party making it for this third party module would then have to pay royalties to every module? Like that that's interesting. You know, I, and that's where I I have no idea. My initial guess would be no. The hmm. my initial guess is because anyone who wants that third party game, they gotta buy Nick's module. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna make money on the modules. Yeah. Well, what were you gonna say about the art? Uh, I thought it, it's interesting. Uh, Style, I really saw it in the trailer. I did see people online. That's where I've seen the most criticism, actually, was of the art. I actually think it's kind of cool looking. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it because it looks like, uh, and I'm just a fan of, uh, like, uh, ink ink traced. Uh, like, I like pointillism, uh, okay. but ink yeah, stroke yeah. style art as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I cannot remember the name right now, but uh, I'd mentioned my my enjoyment of pointillism uh, years ago. And Christopher Franchi actually sent me a message and he linked me a, an artist that does pinstroke style art he did a whole lot of like a lot of political cartoons and stuff but really cool style this reminds me of that Hmm. Uh, but i'm into that weird uh uh like grayscale style art i'm i remember one time for actually for the pinball industry awards i sent in my photo and it was it was in black and white and and george fisher was like no more black and white photos from people (laughs) guys i'm like oh but it's artsy it's artsy you didn't agree that's how i see the world shades of gray 
Yeah, the, the artwork to me, it didn't like... Well, the colors don't pop because there's not very much it, color. The game wasn't... And the you art want the wasn't, colors to pop. Yeah, it wasn't humpable to me, but then again, like for me, the art's the least of my concern when it comes to this. So, mm. I, I, But I will give you guys an update once I get some time on watching the gameplay video and... I may be a believer. Hell, this might be uh, this might be something that makes me want to buy the entire damn platform. Who knows? Who knows? I doubt it. Chicago Gaming's in the news because they are trickling Why? out more Cactus Canyon LEs. Trickle, trickle, trickle. Thank God. And I only know that because I received mine. But I, Ryan White from CGC was coming down to the Cincinnati show, and he was like, hey, I can bring uh, one of our proto LEs that have been making the rounds at different shows. He said, or um, I may be able to squeeze you on LE if you're willing to unbox it for the show. And I said, mm. you know what? Yeah, sure. I'll, and I'll keep that one. So I'll, I'll take the plays. And, and I thought he's there. So if anything's not right out of the box, he can fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. So they are trickling out. They're slow though. I think you're going to start yes. seeing that ramp up in the next two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. We're going to start seeing it. But the bulk of them went to Planetary Pinball because they are the rights holders. So. Yes. So I think they probably, if I had to guess, they've probably only made, they've probably only shipped or produced 25. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not many. I think probably no. the majority of those went to Planetary customers. So, yeah. And also from Chicago Gaming, I found this very interesting. TPN's very own Pinball Party podcast with Jason had on guest Kale Hernandez uh, who made a very strong, just a matter-of-fact statement that perked my ears. He said that the next game coming from Chicago Gaming, the next remake, is going to be Twilight Zone. And they even, Jason Stoughton was like, are you, like, you're good with me running with that? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine with it. So it sounded kind of legit. Maybe huh. maybe I'm I mean, looking too much into it. Right. Yeah, I I mean I can know, see where people would want it to be Twilight Zone. Yeah, we know Kale Hernandez once worked with Marco Specialty, so probably has some good resources behind the scenes in the industry. Uh, Twilight Zone would make a shitload of money for people because it is it is a classic iconic pinball machine, you know, a top ten of all time. When you think of pinball, what are the most, most iconic machines you think of? It's in there. Um, it's a wide body though. Yeah. But I, if anybody's going to make a wide body cabinets, certainly Churchill cabinets. Um, I don't know what to think about this one. It's, it's, I'd say it's possible. My non Marco based rumors, uh, do not indicate anything on the front of remakes after CCR. So I Ooh. don't, I don't. I could maybe see them saying, you know, if we were to ever go back and do another remake, it would be Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see maybe that. I don't think that uh, another remake is a priority for the company, though, at this stage. Hmm. I think Rod Serling would be hard to get. Yeah, well, they can just, you know, remaster the WPC sounds. I think that Gold Earring would be hard to secure. Or not no. hard to secure. Oh, it, come on. Uh, they, they're like a one-hit wonder. That's the one song. Yeah, but they know they have, they have leverage because they know the only way to remake this game is to have the rights to them. They got them kind of held over there. I, my hands are tied. They have know. to have it. I don't know. Rod Serling, I, I don't know. But Twilight Zone would make a shitload of money. And I, uh, on the secondary market, Twilight Zones are like at 10000 now anyway. So that makes sense. 
having a full-blown topper on Twilight Zone, which never officially had a topper from Bally, Bally Williams? Come on. I'd probably be a buyer. In the same vein, I'm looking for an Adams Family. Not to play, but just to collect. Because there's something wrong with my brain. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's called hoarding. That's what my wife says. You should see my office. It is bad. It's real bad. You know what? We are going long this episode. A lot of juice, a lot of nuggets. Man, this is this is a packed episode. Episode 118, y'all. Welcome. And because the folks over at Spooky Pinball had the most low-key reveal of all times of a pinball machine of such grand IP proportions, I'm going to attempt the following, Dennis, for pinball market trends. I'm going to attempt to spooky pinballize it. I present to you the low-key pimp pinball market trends. Trending up this week, ladies and gentlemen, is spooky pinball. We got to give it to them. They came in. They dropped their big mic on the table. It presented us with one of the greatest intellectual properties and themes to enter the industry of pinball. They did so with a whole hum attitude in a small convention setting as if it didn't really matter. They just wanted to be here to support other pinball people. They're confident with what they're producing, so they didn't have to jazz up their revealed teaser at all. That painstakingly drives a stake into my heart, similar to that of the geometry and concept design of Drained by Nick Baldridge. This is fitting there, isn't it? But I think it kind of worked. Those son of a bitches. I, I like Razzle Dazzle. They brought none of it. They just gave you what you wanted to hear and teased you with what you want to see in the, in the future. And they may pay off. Trinity down this week, Dennis. It's low key. It is what it is. It's just a matter of fact. And the fact is, last couple weeks here on podcasts, it's become very apparent to me that pinball is hard, sure, but math is hard. Mm. Wow. Math is just, math is tough. And advanced levels of math, I, I get. Those are, those are rather difficult. I, I heard a podcast talking about how far they got in math and stuff. I started getting tripped up on at calculus. Calculus one in college. That was my nut kicker. But prior to that, basic equations and algebra, like Gene Simmons, I looked it up. When it comes to podcasters, though, math. We got to go back to the shit, guys, second grade here? On a recent episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, Facebook live stream, as well as the podcast, I've heard on five occasions now, him screaming, him proclaiming, him setting the narrative uh, that at the Twippies last year, he has no competition to win for best podcaster because he easily gets three times the amount of votes, whether they're paid for or not, than any other podcaster in the pinball industry. If that's true, number one, it's fucking sad. But number two, if true, it is what it is. Numbers don't lie. I'm another podcaster, so I may not like it if he... Yeah, three times the votes or popularity, but it is what it is. I'd have to suck up my bottom lip and, and deal with it. I'm a man. I'm 40. Not 40 yet. It's a reference to an old sports thing. Follow me here, people. The problem is, Canada, is that numbers don't lie. And second grade math is not hard. 
The numbers are on the Twibbies website. Last year you received 30% of the vote, which was the majority of the winner. The winner. The winner got 30%, you got 30%. No one's refuting that. Nicely done. Second place was the Pinball Show. The pinball Show received 18% of the votes, which is nowhere near triple the amount of votes, much less two times the amount of votes. So just as a correction, because math is hard, there weren't even two times that of the of the vote getting. But I don't. Okay. That's enough. Just, I thought you were going to talk about the Triple Drain podcast because oh they really struggled God. with how much code is in Team Spawn. And there was a lot of, they it was almost a who's on first, on first? Yes. yes. It was, it was, um, it was shocking. <laughs> Guys, it was shocking. I think, I think it might have been Tom Graff on the show who said, math is hard <laughs> in response to this back and forth between Travis and Joel. I was yes. Like, I was like, is oh, this scripted? No. What is this? This is so, poor, it, yeah, it was like, poor Travis was on? right. Joel almost convinced him that he was wrong. Because <laughs> Joel says it? things with such conviction. I mean, yes. he's, uh, I mean, he's probably responsible for like 30%. See what I did there? 30% of the <laughs> sales of precision flippers. Because oh. he just convinced, he's so convincing. Yeah. My point to take away with all this, that I know math is hard, but then again, setting narratives may be easy. Deal of the week this week is from flipping out pinball to Mandalorian Pro we have pre-owned. This thing ain't selling, so I gotta keep dropping it. Hmm. I've not seen one in the five, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a 58 Come get wow. it. Wow. Oh, well, well, now let me ask you, now that you my ears are perked up. So for $58.99, will you install the baby Yoda Ma so he'll wave <laughs> his little baby hand? No, also? That's like a three hundred dollar oh. mod. I have one I haven't installed in my own game because I don't have time. <laughs> of well, so, what? The instructions are like only 18 pages long. Back to the hoarding. It's it's in my office somewhere. <laughs> of in the it pile is, of, of mods. I'm like Scrooge uh, McDuck of mods in my office. Yeah, you're stepping over UPS boxes mm-hmm. everywhere. You just like you just, every morning you get up and you have that stripy one piece men's <laughs> bathing suit and that's you right. jump into your pile of insider connected. Yes, absolutely. And, and instead of gold coins spitting on my mouth, they're precision flippers. See, I'm doing it now. <laughs> Fucking yep. Joel. Oh, deal of the week this week is Mandalorian Pro fifty eight ninety nine. Email me Zach Z A C H at flippingoutpinball.com. If you want to make use of that deal, that is a cash offer. Come pick it up. Uh, deal I oh, I do have a deal of the what in God's name. Uh, deal the WTF this week is I, I don't need to say much. Go to Pinside, find a creature. It's like a bajillion dollars and it's ugly and it's not well done. It says it's restored. It's a it's a fucking joke. And uh I, I simply, in the in the forum discussion, wrote to this individual, uh, and my reply stated, sincerely, thank you for this for sale ad. Thank you. So go check that out. It was hilarity and sadness all wrapped in one, somewhat similar to 30% of you voting in the Twippies. <laughs> That's it, Dennis. Where can people catch you? I can always reach out uh, to my Eclectic Gamers podcast email, which is eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. There's a messenger tool. You can use that. And I monitor those both fairly regularly. Sweet. You can catch me at the pinball network at gmail.com. Watch straight down the middle video series. I think you can email us there at sdtmpinball at gmail.com. Um, Patreon maybe is coming for the pinball show. I don't know. I have no clue. We'll see what 2023 has to bring to us. 
We have some exciting stuff next year. Sponsor of this show is Flippin' Out Pinball. Product showcase this week is... Is the Star Wars Home Edition. Take your pick. Do you like the Purdy comic or the OG movie artwork? Regardless, it makes for one of the greatest and most affordable pinball machines and Christmas gifts this holiday season. Sure, the price is $49.99. That's fine. But who else do you know in this industry that's going to give you free shipping? Hell, I'll shave a little bit of money off if you pick it up at the terminal. Let's get that thing under your tree this year. And now that I say that I can't picture that big box under a Christmas tree, but it's symbolic. It's a, you know, you know what I mean. We've got a lot of machines in stock right now, both new and used. Some of the titles are going fairly quickly, such as Rush. It is the fourth quarter, uh, fourth quarter Rush on sales on, on Rush. I think I'm out of premiums. I'm down to like one pro. Um, Mando's picked up quite a bit. Still have some Star Wars. If you need some Star Wars, we've got those. We've got Led Zeppelin. We've got Toy Story 4, both CE and LE in stock. We have Guns N' Roses still, LEs. I think we're going to see that drift up. I sold a couple of GNR LEs this weekend at Pincinetti. So nicely done there. Guardians of the Galaxies are gone. You guys keep asking me for those now that they're gone. What the hell? It's a good game. And for those who were at the Cincinnati show, did you guys, uh, did you guys ask me about my topper? Some of, some of the people will know that reference, Dennis, because we teased an upcoming topper that Flippin' Out Pinball may be uh, responsible for exclusively offering. It was on top of the Guardians of the Galaxy pin at the show. Yeah, did you hear about that? Nope. Uh, it was a, a super widescreen type of monitor uh, that played clips from uh, it played clips from Guardians of the Galaxy. It was really awesome. Um, it's clear. It's beautiful. It got a lot of people talking. A lot of people thinking, wait a minute. That looks pretty badass. Um, is it $2,000 like some of the other toppers on the market? And I was like, no, we're gauging interest right now to see if people would like these on their machines because they're pretty universal. You can put them on any Stern machine. You can put them on Bally Williams machines. Um, they look really dynamic, and they're much cheaper than a lot of toppers on the, like a Guardians topper right now, 2500 on a secondary market all day long. It's a plastic topper. My monitor that shows awesome favorite clips from the film, I'm going to try to get under $1,000. Bye, bye, bye! So keep your eye out on that. I will have that on the website possibly soon. Uh, if we go through with that, but a really cool product that serves a lot of purposes. I had had advertisements at shows and stuff. I had advertisements on the monitor for flipping out. Then it would show uh, the beautiful Star Lord, uh, and then it would cut back. There's just endless possibilities for this product because you can help create your own content via USB, SD card, HDMI. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. So be on the lookout for that. TPN. Last week we had a lot of stuff. I'm not by my computer. I'm on location, so I can't check my notes. Neither can I tell you what's coming up. Some cool stuff's coming up. I know I'd, uh, the pinballers have something coming up. 12 Days of Christmas. Check that out. I believe it's on December 10th. Why I'm using neurons in my brain for that is because there's something wrong with me. But beneficial to TPN and to all of you listeners. For Dennis Creasel, ho, 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 motherfuckers. I'm Zach Minnick. That's right. And remember, with Scooby-Doo Pinball coming out soon, they're going to be as pinball famous as those Olive Garden breadsticks. <laughs> and always practice safe pinball. Like, hey, Scoob, put down the fucking Scooby snacks and pick up a calculator. That is hard. <laughs> I know we'll catch that feeling. Oh, my God.
God, I sure hope it doesn't turn out like Expo. No. What sort of security do you guys have? Well, we have this trash can. And we have propped <laughs> up trash. all, all, all this rope. Dave Fix made a fucking scarecrow. Hey, they're they're already sold out at the hotel, so that solved my problem for getting pressured into going to Expo I know, next year. I didn't even know they were open. Warm up this season with Olive Garden's oven-baked pastas, like our new ravioli carbonara. And for the gift that keeps on giving, there's our never-ending first course, which is always on us. Plus, you can share the holiday cheer with our catering. Olive Garden, we're all family here.